Okay, guys. So we've all been stuck in that workout class where the music is just not hitting. And as a DJ, it is my civic duty to put you guys onto fabulous workouts with great music. So I love to break the news that Y7 Studio have just launched the new digital at-home platform in an exclusive partnership with Universal Music Group. And you know what that means. We can say goodbye to royalty-free loops on repeat. Thank God for that. With the best workouts set to all of our favorite songs, you can find this new offering at y7-studio.com. Unhinged customers get 25% off your first three months of this new monthly digital subscription. You can use the word unhinged, one word, at their website. The link is also in our episode bio down below. $15 a month, guys. That's the cost of too much lattes these days. It's a steal. Fabulous teachers, hundreds of new classes added each month. What the bloody hell are you waiting for? What's up, guys? We're finally back with another guest episode, No More Solos. Yay! With my dear friend, Maria Alia, New York fashion girly, content creator, social activist, and we have her in the hot, hot month of Ramadan. Ooh, you're spicy. You <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny that you said the hot month of Ramadan because Ramadan is like, I think the word like is deriv. It's like a derivative of an Arabic word meaning like scorching sand or something like that really so, i knew that on the nose on the nose i knew that. that yeah that was like well intended obviously of you knew that no, but that's actually why we have you because i want you to explain to the plebs plebs meaning me <laughs> what's happening in your world because like i see a lot of it online and i feel like i never fully really understood what right. that whole process was yeah so I'm Muslim, obviously, if anyone didn't know that. Um, and Ramadan is, it's the ninth month of like the Islamic calendar. And it is the month that uh, the Quran was uh, revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. I feel like I'm like giving like a class right now. Like being so proper. <laughs> You're like 101. <laughs> I'm like nervous. Dummies guide. No, it's, so it's, it's, don't you get so nervous when like you need to explain something like this? It's for me, it's. It's like when people say, what's your favorite three albums? And then I just go blank. And it's something that I know. And it's so intrinsically who I am. But then as soon as somebody puts the pressure on to ask you, I'm like, wait a second, like my mind has gone totally blank now. Right. Because you want to like get it right mm -hmm. and like say it all perfectly. But yeah, so basically that's that's the history of it. And it's a month where we um, observe fasting during like the daylight hours. So we like don't eat or drink throughout the entire day and from sunrise to sunset. But like, I think something that people don't really usually realize because it's not as tangible or like noticeable is that like, we're also fasting from like bad behaviors in general. Like you're not supposed to like fight. You're not supposed to use like foul language. It's going to be kind of hard. Guys don't come for me in this podcast, <laughs> but um, foul language and just like bad intent. Like, you know, you're just supposed to like purify your soul and like self-reflect and um kind of like so get closer do you to god give up like you know how like for lent right you give mm -hmm. up a certain behavior are you giving that up for give it up for ramadan yes but it's like it's not once but you like you don't really get to choose which one you you give up you're supposed to kind of give up all of the bad behaviors 
Um, and then yeah, it's pretty hardcore. And then the fast date, like the no food and drink, um, it's like a, it's a lot of like self-discipline. You're also supposed to kind of, you know, reflect on like how blessed you are in your day to day to have food and drink. Um, and then another really important part of the month is like charity. So you're actually supposed to like give charity. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like, it's a really big part of it. So, and it's also like the reward is like, you know, I think it's like 70 fold during Ramadan, like you're, you know, to give charity. So it's just like an overall, you know, religious and spiritual month where you're just supposed to become a better person and like work on that. But um, I think culturally, it's like such a, it kind of like brings like the community together and like family together, which I think is my favorite part because you're all just doing it together and you're it you you make it fun so because you get to break bread together at the end which is exactly yeah like iftar is like super fun we do dinner parties and it's just it's a good time so then who's cooking all this food so like at home it would be like my mom but we would all help we'd also all help my dad will cook a lot um but like living alone in new york it's it's a little bleak yeah, because I can out. imagine it's like <laughs> you are not eating the whole day, basically. And then the last thing I would want to do is then prepare that meal. But then everyone's oh, like literally. eating together. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the only time I cook during Ramadan is like if I'm doing it, with, like if I'm having like people over for dinner or like I'm going to go to someone's for dinner. But I if see like a lot on stories, like a lot of people hosting iftar. Yeah, definitely. But it's like, I mean, it's 30 days. So it's like not every day, you know? No, no, yeah. Some days are nasty dumplings, other days. Literally, yeah. So it's, yeah, that's, I haven't even cooked once this month because I got my period on day one, which in case anyone didn't know, when you're on your period, you you got the get out of jail free card. I did, I did. And I, I, but I feel like I'm missing like the best part at the beginning when everyone's hyped about it. So yeah, because I bet like by day 15, everyone's like, Everyone's over it, yeah. Not like, this really. again. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's fine though. I'm I'm happy right now. You know, I'm able to do drink you, some water. <laughs> do you feel like your audience? I'm sure you have like a very similar demographic of audience. You're like obviously follow you as a modest creator. Do you, they like talk to you about their journeys and stuff like that? Um. Yeah. So I definitely have a probably a large portion of my audience is also Muslim. So I do feel like. It's like a, yeah, it's definitely a topic that is like so much more, I guess, prevalent in my world on social media. You know, everyone's posting about like, you know, what they're doing for Sahur and for Thought and like people are responding to stories more. And, but I feel like because we've been like Instagram's been a thing for a while and we've had this community for a while, it's like everyone's just doing their own thing. We're not really talking about it as much. Are there any (laughs) unhinged, like, you know, uninformed people me um like (laughs) what's going on and then do you Um, feel like you have to like is it exhausting to have to just explain to everybody what's happening um honestly uh personally it's not exhausting for me but sometimes I'm I'm shocked I'm like I can't believe some people still don't know but like yeah that's just me in my own world I think people have a vague idea but then it's also like you know you're nervous to get it wrong so you basically Mm. ask them to explain it again Right. Yeah. I think the the number one question throughout my life that I've always gotten is like not even water. Like everyone's like, that's the one that gets people when you're like, yeah, we don't even drink water throughout the day. And everyone's just like, 
mind exploding like how is this like possible and then also uh, you get a lot of like I've had people think that like you you don't eat the entire month like full 30 days like like how do you like survive (laughs) yeah no this is not survivor no we're definitely eating every single day but you're on the Mariah Carey skinny legend diet but that's the thing I don't lose weight during Ramadan (laughs) which is super unfortunate I mean sorry guys trigger warming but like I don't lose weight during Ramadan I sometimes gain weight well you're also like eating in the middle of the you know the hours are not conducive yeah metabolizing food yeah no not at all but some people do lose weight and I'm like I think the thing is like it just depends on what you eat when you break your fast I'm the type of person where I want to have all the things that I was thinking about all day I want to have dessert I want to have two dinners of course maybe three eating it all at once yeah and then because you know you're not going to eat it tomorrow so you're like I need to eat everything but I'm gonna actually try this year to be a bit more conscious of the things that I eat because also you feel like shit the next day if you right kind of eat not great food and like overstuff yourself so maybe I'll lose weight this year <laughs> let's see come back in 30 <laughs> days and report back let I'll me let know. know I'm basically on the breastfeeding diet which is oh, I just that? like shove in food like within like any like two to three hour window of um breaks that I have because it really like depletes you and makes you so hungry mm. as you're doing it. Really? Yeah. And um, you know, people always say, like, oh, you lose all this weight, like you get really skinny from it. Haven't seen that yet. Haven't okay. personally experienced that, but um, you do I am like extremely hungry and thirsty oh, wow. all the time. She's like, making I you can, ravenous. She is. I'm like, girl, you've already had nine months of my gorgeous body what more do you want no like give me a break <laughs> wait so uh, how 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 many weeks is she now she's so frankie is five she's in her fifth week which oh is crazy God. because she turned a month on thursday and john and i were like how is she a month old it doesn't That's it felt wild. like it went really fast it did it definitely did and she's still yeah. so tiny but like you're saying that she's outgrowing her like newborn clothes like height wise okay wait so she's really tall um her she's really long like in length okay so she so got that from john feet, yeah she got from not from me <laughs> and her feet basically don't fit in the footies so wait, her feet are big aren't they're they? massive they're massive I saw her that. Legs can't fully stretch out so i've been like cutting the footies out that's so and in all the photos it's just like these like ripped seams john's like <laughs> John's like, I love it. I think it looks cool. I'm like, bet you do. But yeah, we have a we have a baller in the house. So wow, that's yeah, that's really iconic. We yeah, have a, a baller model who's... baller, uh, right? I know. We can put her to work. Nobody in this, nobody in this wants to work these days. But Frankie's gonna be working. Yeah, she's already set. Her career path is set for her. That's hysterical, actually. The pressure is on because people are like. You know, are you going to post your daughter? Are you going to post her on social media? Will you do jobs with her? I'm thinking, she's five weeks. I have not thought that far ahead. That was like not a thought that was in my mind. With Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm sure that was, you weren't like, hmm. hmm you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a baby and she's going to be a cash cow. But she's it is something that you have to, th- you do then have to make all these decisions. You know, how much mm-hmm. of their life are you going to share how, how much content are you going to share um how can I like you know be myself online like I always was because I'm an oversharer by nature and I feel as though I share a lot of my life and I like it's cathartic for me but mm-hmm. then when you have to factor in you know your partner's feelings or like a big 
you know, a child who's eventually going to grow up and be like, I maybe don't feel that comfortable online. Mm. It's interesting. But I'm sure that's probably similar for you because, like, culturally, modesty is, like, ingrained mm-hmm. in, in you know, yeah, your in the culture, family the values, your religious yeah. values. And what was that like deciding to you know, be a creator, be someone to share so much of your life, especially in the, cause you've been doing this for a long time in the early yeah. days where it wasn't necessarily, you know, yeah, a common thing. thing. I mean, I feel like it, it did happen like really organically. I was just like, mm-hmm. honestly, a person online, like influencer did online. not exist. <laughs> I was just online. I was in college and I, I just liked to post photos and I actually like didn't even post photos of just myself. I would just I used Instagram like a like Facebook in the beginning, like photos of me and my Where friends. Where did you go to college? The University of South Alabama. Okay. Oh yeah. In by Mo- the way, in, yeah, in Mobile. That's, that's where I'm from. That's where my Represent. well, that's where my parents yeah raised me. Slightly unfortunately, but also like can't complain. It's fine. No way. You have to rep that. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm not shy. I don't yeah. love. I would. I move there. No. Mm-hmm. Never live there again. But it is where I grew up. But yeah. So. Definitely a lot of what's the word like stigma around just like posting yourself publicly, mm-hmm. um, especially when I started like posting more of just myself and I started gaining an audience. I definitely got a lot of side eyes from the community, from um, extended family, because in a sense, you know, it it could be seen as being completely counterintuitive to modesty because you're right. you're sharing your yourself your photos of mm-hmm. yourself um which I completely understand and like to each their own I think everybody has their own you know path and journey and also their own interpretation of what modesty is and what hijab means to them personally I just I enjoyed sharing my style and I found you know a really a really wonderful like group of people and community online. And um, I felt like for me, I felt no hesitation and I didn't feel like I was doing anything that goes against my morals or, you know, what I feel comfortable with. So that's my, that was, you know, that was my choice, but I mean, there's definitely, it's hard not to kind of like absorb other people's opinions and, you know, my parents have always been supportive, but like, it's more so like when people come to my dad and is like, oh, your daughter like post shows off her body online, which I'm not showing off my body. I'm fully covered. But I mean, those things like, yeah, like it takes a toll on your family. And then yeah. obviously you don't want them to feel that way. But at the end of the day, it's really not that deep. Because um, our communities be talking. Oh, for sure. They're single-handedly time. supporting the phone companies. Absolutely. And WhatsApp, like they run (laughs) (laughs) like I can't, but isn't it so funny that our fam, like my mom, my family is so big on WhatsApp. I'm like, you guys know I message is free, right? Yeah. I don't understand. They're like, it's free, Emma. It's free. I'm like, it's all free. But so is iMessage. And like (laughs) iMessage just is like within your phone. It's not even like you can just (laughs) like, I don't understand the, the obsession with WhatsApp and it's everyone like overseas I think wait one second pause I'm gonna just put a binky in Frankie's mouth oh because I, <laughs> I love that unhinged listeners I just had to take a quick pause to because I feel like this will probably get it out I'm like watching the nana the baby camera and this you know anytime there's 
loud noise. I'm like, BRB, just got to go. It's made me a psycho. <laughs> I feel as though this is what it must be like to have your partner's location or something. Because oh. when you have access to something 24-7 and you're looking at it all the time, you understand how addictive that can be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're also getting like a taste of like being like a FBI surveillance. <laughs> which, I, I've, which I've always been. I, I can find anything online. It's a skill that I have. Um, Ooh, I once found Lauren's boyfriend photo when they went on a date. Um, our friend Lauren is dating a lovely man, Christopher, who is not online at all, mm-hmm. like no social media, no Facebook. And I found like an old LinkedIn photo and I was like, this guy? <laughs> You're she was psychotic. like, how did you You're find unhinged. that? <laughs> I'm unhinged, guys, unhinged. Literally. Is who I, it is, it's my religion. Um, <laughs> but wait, I want to go back to your family yeah. because, so are you first generation American? Um, so on my dad's side, first generation, my mom's side, second, my mom's Puerto Rican, but she was born in the States. She lived in Puerto Rico for, I think her, like a large chunk of her childhood and then came back to the States. So she's a lot more Americanized. Like she grew up, she went to high school in America, but my dad, um, immigrated here, uh, when he was 18 or 19. So first generation Palestinian American and second generation Puerto Rican. American. And how did they meet? So, um, they met actually at the University of South Alabama, <laughs> the college <laughs> that I ended up going to. Wow. Um, yeah. Long story. They both the somehow ended of up. University of South Alabama. <laughs> if you want to sponsor the next episode of Unhinge, you just let me know because listen, get a lot of plugs today. Honestly, like it's it's really random, but they both ended up lo- too long of a story to tell. But like both ended up living in the same apartment complex while they were mm-hmm. going to college. And my mom became friends with my my aunt, my dad's sister, who my dad was living with at the time. And then she saw my dad. She thought he was cute. He he thought she was cute. Whatever. They fell in love. And yeah. And then they stayed in Mobile, which is like, why? Why did you stay there? But it's fine. We're here now. We got out. But your sisters are still there too, right? You have a big family. Um, one of my sisters is there. The rest have all dispersed. Right. Where are they? Um, so two of my sisters live in Dallas, um, mm-hmm. and then my brother lives in Birmingham, Alabama, which is like still Alabama, but it's a lot bigger of a city, and he's like in school there. So, what's the Alabamian vibe? <laughs> that what? Um, honestly, it's funny because like I feel like anytime I go outside of the city, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of Mobile. It's just like any. Like if you go to Long Island, it's very Mm -hmm. similar to that. It's kind of similar to some places upstate. But I will say like the city that I'm from, Mobile, it's not like the middle of nowhere, like country town. Like it's a bigger city. It's more, is it progressive or no? I mean, they're not very progressive. They're pretty conservative like in Mobile. But I will say it's a lot. It's not like a small town. Like it's, it's big. Like it's, I don't know the population, but it's large and it's just very suburban vibes you know, suburban America. Totally. But also very much redneck. Like if you go on the outskirts, it's very much, you know. So I'm sure 9-11 was really fun for you. Oh, it was the best time ever. (laughs) Oh my God. No, it was, it was dark times. I'm not going to lie. And even just like high school, at the time I didn't feel like it was anything that crazy because it's all I knew. Mm -hmm. But looking back, I'm like, no, that was pretty kind of fucked up. Like I went through some shit. So. I bet. And also when that's happening in real time, you have to internalize everything because you can't really 
no one wants to hear that you as the minority group also feel a certain type of way. And then later when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was really fucked up actually. Exactly. I can be like, this is a terrible thing that's happening because people are looking at you being like, look what you did. Right. No, exactly. And I think also it was was like the mid 2000s, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was prior to like Instagram and like the social media boom that we have now, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of people talking online about things and a lot of things were just kind of normalized and you just had to like take it on the chin. And and you probably didn't have the community that you have now Mm-mm. because yeah. you're there in an isolated sort of area. Because what's the Muslim population there? I'm oh, sure so not. small. Like in yeah. my hometown, it was extremely small. I think when I was in high school, the only other Muslims in or you know even just arab brown people in general were were myself and my sister at one point because we were in high school at the same time and then like two cousins yeah. of mine and so, so it was literally you just always, my family were you always modest um so i started wearing hijab when i was 14 um which is kind of like the time that you usually start to wear you know kind of when you become a woman um but yeah like my my parents definitely like i wouldn't i wouldn't want to say enforced but like they encouraged and um, influenced us to be to dress pretty modestly because you know that's like a part of our culture and our religion. Wait, but, oh, sorry, um, rewind. Did your mom mm-hmm. convert when she met your dad? She, she did. She did. Okay. She yeah. she grew up Catholic, um, but she was pretty secular family. They never they weren't super religious at all. Um, and when she like first found out about like when she first met my dad, she actually knew nothing about Islam. Like because this is like the eighties. Like there was yeah. no this is pre 9-11. So, <laughs> and also like in the South and it, like pre she 9-11 had, fame. <laughs> yeah. So she, you know, and she like actually looked into the, to the religion and she, she resonated with it a lot. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if you know, but like, it's not, I think a lot of people who've never looked into Islam think it's like a, a super foreign religion that, but it's like extremely similar to Judaism and Christianity. Like it's, it's the Abrahamic religion. So I think, you know, she, I guess, she she felt like it made a lot of sense to her and like more sense than anything she had grown up with. So she she converted um, on her own conviction and um, and she's actually like one of the most like I would say genuine Muslims and like pure Muslims that I know. Just because I you know she chose it and she actually truly believed it. You know she wasn't just raised in it. So I yeah. I really admire that um, she made about the her. Active choice. Yeah. So. And wait, yeah. pardon my ignorance. So can mm. you actually marry into the faith or marry someone of the faith if you don't convert? So it's a little tricky um, because, you know, there's different there's different scholars and different like um, there's different beliefs on this. But in general, the the standard is and it's this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> but oh, like, wait, men, let me guess. Men can, women can't. Yeah, but the the reasoning for that is that it's the same as Judaism, right? I'm not sure, but I know the the reasoning that they give in Islam is that like the man is like he's the one who leads the family in religion typically, and so it's like if the husband's not Muslim, like the children are probably not going to be Muslim. Right. Yeah, because I the honestly last name and yeah, yeah, but like I personally feel like the mom is more influential in for sure. I mean, we raise them, yeah, we, so we carry them, we feed them. Yeah, we create their food for the first few years. Literally, I, I so I mean, per, I don't want to like nobody come for me. I'm not trying to like go against religion, but I personally think that like mm-hmm. 
either nobody should marry outside or women and men can equally, you know? So that's my personal opinion. We'll just leave yeah. it at that. Um, but I think in general, though, people usually choose to marry somebody who is of the religion just because it makes your life easier in terms of like children and well, it's also all such a large of part of your life. It Even is. outside of religion, just culturally, like the things you do, how you spend your time. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a big, it's like, it kind of enca- encapsulates like your life. So it definitely is a big thing. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> my mom's, my mom comes from a family of five and two of her sisters married Muslims. Oh, really? Okay. Did they convert? They all converted, yeah. And so uh, half of my family, actually, this is really sweet. Um, Half of my family, they're all like modest. They wear hijabs. Oh, my God. I I feel like you've told me that. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why people say like, like sometimes like low-key racist stuff to me. I'm like, you're literally speaking about my, like one, like I don't, you know. Mm -hmm. Condone racism. Condone this anyway, but also like I like half of my family is Muslim, but um, yeah. it was really nice because my my cousin Daniel just got married in a church, and there was this huge thing on like whether they would attend the ceremony, you know, because it, like a lot of the times yeah. they wouldn't necessarily, but then they all made made an appearance for him, which I thought was really nice. And they oh, that's really nice. I mean, they should honestly though they should be able to attend regardless because. Muslims were like allowed to go into churches and like I don't even think it was whether they were allowed I think you know sometimes you have that internal battle of like should I do this should I be in here and right but I heard I I obviously couldn't make it because it's in Australia but I heard that Mm. um part of the sermon and the priest was like we're open to everybody and like everybody's welcome and I was like oh so that's really beautiful that's that's super sweet and your family is like originally sick or Seek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah well okay. my dad my dad is and my mom converted mm-hmm. when um because my dad's Punjabi Sikh and mm-hmm. converted when she married in the Sikh temple but now she's gone back to Christianity okay <laughs> yeah she's just all <laughs> over the place and my sister converted um when she married her husband David and I'm kind of just like in the middle and actually my granddad was like because my whole family like the faith was really dispersed in different Mm -hmm. ways like my grandparents were like really big Sai Baba followers uh, devotees and then like half of my mom's family was Muslim and then half are Christians and you know like everyone was just doing their own thing and my granddad was always like it's a, he had this analogy that it's a mountain and we're all trying to get to the top and whatever way you take up there it doesn't really matter like we all say it's all saying the same thing um you could forge your own path if you want and take you know bits and pieces of each faith or whatever it is you need to to get through your life and day and be the person you want to be so be it and like the like the titling and the labeling really it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. yeah no that's like that's honestly so beautiful yeah and like so so nice and unlike that generation yeah yeah, because so, usually that generation would not like no. be so open minded and and, and all the daughters converted into other faiths, and he was like, "Whatever you guys want to do, do." Wow, Which is, I love that. Yeah, um, for a South Asian family, not yeah common. It, yeah, it's so interesting. This that region, there are so many like religions that you know. So I'm sure, like, it's it can be confusing, like in a family where like there's a little bit of kind of everything. Um, but it's nice that you guys can like kind of, or you and your, you know, some of your family can like take 
from here and there and yeah yeah. they're also just they're nuts but um they're unhinged they sound Um, chill they sound chill though i mean compared to my family like listen they're hardcore listen if my mom could have a nanit on me right now which is what i'm using to watch frankie (laughs) she would sometimes if i don't post online she's like is everything okay no instagram stories today Oh, and my mom too. I'm like, I had a child. I'm busy. No, and my mom actually has my location. And sometimes if I'm like not where she thinks I should be at a certain, she'll like text me, hi. And I'm like, I know she's like looking at my location. It's like, why are you out at this time? Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's okay, mom. Do you put your phone in? So if you put your phone in flight mode, does it? I think it will turn your location off. Oh, good to know. All the people out there who have overzealous parents. You can also just turn your location off in like the settings as well. And like, it just will show no location found. I forget people check it, but um, when I was at the hospital, I know I have, I have (laughs) all my friends, but I'm not like actively in fine. Yeah. Especially if like, you're not in the city that I'm in. That's the thing. But what I will say, I'm surprised at is how many people who check it, because Mm. when I was giving birth, we got induced unexpectedly early because of like health complications. And so no one was expecting the delivery to be. It was almost a month early. And so many people text me being like, is everything okay? I see you at the hospital. And it, it made me realize oh a lot of people <laughs> check locations. Because I don't do it. So in my mind, yeah. like, no one's checking. I'll, uh, multiple, That's and funny. also probably because I'm pregnant too. You know, they didn't hear from me for a, a day and they checked mm-hmm. just to be safe, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, made me feel reassured a little bit. But a lot of people were asking, oh, we see you at Cedars. How's, it, how's that going? <laughs> That's actually so funny. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh, wait, I have eyes on me. Need to wait, watch so out. your sisters, which I find really interesting, and I think mm-hmm. um, people would too, is that – so some of your sisters are modest and some – like one of your sisters doesn't wear a hijab, correct? So two of my – my two younger sisters don't wear hijab. Yeah. Um, but Lila, I would say that they um, – Layla and, and Sarah. Yeah. I would say they still dress modestly, though. Mm-hmm. You know, they at least, you know, you know, they they have their own, like, um, I guess, personal, like, modesty. Um, and then me and my older sister wear hijab. And honestly, the story behind all of that is that when I was, you know, when I was 14 and, like, my, my older sister was, you know, starting to wear hijab as well, like, it was very much expected, like, you know, mm-hmm. like we were expected to wear it. And like, I would never say that we were forced to wear it, but I wouldn't say that it was like a super conscious, like, I'm going to wear this, at least for myself. Like when I started wearing it, it just kind of was like, well, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And like all my cousins are wearing it. My mom wears it. Like I was too, I was young. I was really young. So it just like, I kind of just went with the motions. And uh, um, I think when... And like you're growing up in Alabama. That yeah. Been, you know. It's it definitely like when I really look back on it, it was it was really the the product of like my my it was just be, me being young and kind of just not wanting to disrupt like the status quo. And that's not to say that like I didn't want to wear it, but I do kind of I do wish that I had waited until I understood it more and, you know, made the decision more for myself rather like, and less for other people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we all have our ways that we get to where we are. It's definitely common for families to essentially force their children to wear hijab, but that's not, that's not the most, it's usually, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not supposed to be that way. Like there's mm-hmm. supposed to be no, like, com- like you're not supposed to force anyone to do anything, but it's like, it's very much like the way that I think in general, people are like raised in like the way that they, by the time it's time to wear hijab, like myself, 
they're like, okay, yeah, like I've been preparing for this, and they just they just wear it. Kind and it's of all you know. If if mm-hmm. you see something all your life, yeah, you suddenly decide, hey, I'm gonna go, you know, against the grain because right, all I've seen is this way of life. Exactly, and it's like it's not like a negative. I think the the negative part of it is mostly like just sort of the alienation you get living in a Western country wearing, you know, dressing a little bit differently. But so basically the true like purpose behind it is a lot deeper than, you know, just like a piece of cloth. Like it's really, it's not only like modesty, but it's also, it's a symbol, like you're a Muslim. Like it, it's, it shows like, it's a visible, um, what's the word? Like it's a visible commitment. Yeah. And like identity, like it's, it is, when you wear hijab, you're visibly Muslim, essentially. And of course, like, as a Muslim, like, that's something you want to strive, you want to strive for doing it the correct way. But also, like, if you're just wearing it for other people or, like, out of fear of some, like, then there's no point. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I still think that, you know, they you know, they, they still dress in a modest way and like in a way that like they feel comfortable, but yeah, they just don't wear the hijab. And I think that, I mean, that's fine. Like, you know, there's so many amazing Muslim people who don't wear hijab, like hijab doesn't make you Muslim. Um, it is a, it is a part of it. And I think everybody, there's a lot of interpretations and I'm not going to go into it into like what the scripture says, but it, it should be a personal choice. It's a personal choice. And it, should 100% be on the person that's wearing it. It should never be forced upon anyone. And like, I think we take that choice for granted sometimes because there's places where women don't have a choice not to wear it. And there's also places where women aren't even allowed to wear it, like in France. So it's like, yeah, that's just to have the choice is really what is important. And it should truly be up to that person and nobody else, whether it be family, government, whatever the fuck. Like, it's there's definitely also confusion, I think, with the right to choose and what people understand of that because you know there is one sort of version that traditionally was presented in media or you know in in right. culture and then yeah everyone assumes that that's just like the standard across the board when really there are so many different iterations of that yeah and if you like get down to like what the actual like religion says it's it's um what's word it's like religion it's never supposed to be it's it's one's choice like you're not allowed to force it upon anybody and that actually like goes against the religion so I love your dad suddenly having this realization at the airport like you know when white people <laughs> complain about the TSA line being long yeah <laughs> I just want to say imagine having a name like Amrit Sadhu imagine oh yeah, yeah with yeah, an yeah. Australian no. passport with like overstayed esters Second right. screening uh, immediately. Every time. Yeah, no. It's not an name. option. It's, it's not. a it's a given. Yeah. I will say like recent years has been a lot more chill. I feel like there was a time where I felt like I was always like extra screening, but it's been kind of chill lately. I'm like, I don't know if it's I don't know what it is, but I'm, oh, no, I'm here for it. Nice. I I um had a little visa. It's it was an overstay, but it wasn't really an overstay because of COVID. So my mm. visa lapsed and I was still in the country and all the borders were closed. And so now because of that, when I travel and even with John, I tell him it's going to be an hour. It's, sometimes it's like an hour, an hour and a half and he's just waiting for me and he blitzes through the other line. 
Ugh. And then I have to go to be a white man. <laughs> Bro, at that, to be a yeah. white man in America. Honestly, I gave Frankie the last name Teets. Yeah, for her to have let her have a let her have a nice little privileged moment. For real, <laughs> actually, I saw this meme recently. I think Nora posted it, and it was imagine not being on one of the most wanted countries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I love that. I know I it's that. hard being so, so wanted all the time, you guys. It really is. We're uh, special. Uh, do you think that that you know making that commitment is something? Have you ever had moments where, like, because you've done it so publicly, mm. you feel as though you have to stick to that? So, I mean, okay, yeah. I guess this is definitely something I've never spoken about publicly. Um, cause it is a really personal kind of thing, mm-hmm. but I've definitely had like a lot of ups and downs in like my hijab journey, if you want to call it that. Um, I feel like when I was a lot younger, I kind of was just doing it cause it was what was expected. Um, I really think there was a shift when I honestly, when I was on social media and like when I first got on Instagram and like started to find this community of like girls similar to myself. I felt really like empowered by it and like really um, proud of it. And it felt, it felt good for like kind of the first time, not to say that it felt bad before, but you know, it's tough growing up in the South and like a place where, you know, just walking in with a hijab, like people are like, Oh my God, you speak English, like very ignorant shit. Like that's, and that's just like the, the iceberg, like the tip of the iceberg. But So yeah, like going into like my early 20s, I was feeling really great. And then like, you know, you sometimes question yourself because people are mean, like people, they, they see it and they expect something of you. There's like this automatic perception of like what they think you do, what you don't do, what you like, what you don't like. And they're like, oh, like I thought, you know, it's just like a lot of preconceived notions about you, which I find to be really annoying because at the end of the day, like we're all just individual people Mm -hmm. and wearing hijab doesn't make you automatically fall under any specific category. And I think that's the most frustrating part of it. And so that's sometimes made me question, like, am I wearing this like for the correct reasons? And I always try to remind myself, but also a lot of it is, it's like comfort. It's like very comfortable. It's comfort. It's all I've, I've known this for like now more than half my life. So I, and it's kind of become a part of my identity, even though I feel like, you know, you shouldn't really base your identity on things like that, but it just like naturally has become that. And then it's of course being like a public person online and where that has been, you know, I've been tokenized for it. And, um, I check off boxes for brands because of it. Check. Yeah, We've done our job. That's enough right. conclusion for the day. It's a really complicated feeling. And it, mm-hmm. I'm something that I I kind of still struggle. I struggle with like a, kind of every, not every day, but like I still struggle with to this day of just kind of like, what does it mean for me? How does it affect my identity? What am I doing it for? Um, it's complicated and it's it's a tough thing to talk about because especially as somebody who, you know, has a, has an audience that, you know, might feel really close to me, like a very parasocial relationship with a lot of people where they, you know, you don't want to let people down. Um, so there's always that pressure of like, I don't know, you know, 
I think something that like has all kept me going a lot in terms of like my like modesty journey, if you will, is, you know, I get a lot of messages from girls saying that like I gave them confidence and I, I inspired them to wear hijab or that I helped them feel comfortable in it. And like, to me, that just like meant so much because like, like if I had that as like a teenager, like I, I don't know, like that would have changed my life. I would have felt so much more secure and confident. Um, so that like always like that touches me and I, I do feel a sort of, I don't know, like responsibility, even though I know I shouldn't, but like, it just is what it is. I feel a little bit of a responsibility to, you know, the people that, that have like followed me and like, you know, that I've met along the journey and it's hard to separate yourself from that. Um, so yeah, it's like a, it's an ongoing, like sort of battle within myself. And at the end of the day, it is really personal and I feel very vulnerable right now, actually sharing this, but yeah, I think I'm just kind of, I take it day by day and I try to like remind myself like what the real reason I'm wearing it is for and not really allow so much outside noise to kind of influence that, but it's hard. Actually listening to that, um, it almost sounds like you are you know, I I th- I know as women of color, there's so much responsibility with when you have an audience because people have one idea of this identity and they project it on you, and and then you always feel like I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, and I get I get it as you know a South Asian woman, like people are like you're an embarrassment to the Indian community. I can't believe you would do this. You're oh saying that wrong. You're pronouncing this wrong, and it's but change is a part of the human experience. Like if we weren't like questioning everything all the time we wouldn't be growing, like we wouldn't be humans. And so it almost, I think, makes you a better Muslim, a better Sikh, a better Indian, a be- yeah. like everything to have those like conversations and check-ins with yourself because you're doing it for the right reasons and Absolutely. not because of what somebody, like an expectation that somebody has of you because if you only did it that way and like, I mean, you and I both know how often people feel free to, think they have access to all of your life just by seeing Mm. like 0.01% and, and having a commentary on it. Um, so I think it's actually a great thing that you check in with yourself on what that means. Yeah. And I agree. I think that like, if you kind of live your life, just going through the motions and not even really like looking within yourself and understanding like why you're doing something or, um, or why you feel certain ways about it, like you're, you're really not in being intentional in it. And I feel like I was that way as a teenager. I wasn't questioned. I was just kind of doing it. And I didn't even know how to like process it for myself because I didn't know myself at the time. And I didn't fully understand like the large commitment that I made and what it meant and like how it would essentially shape my life. Right. So I am really grateful that I'm able to like have those conversations and thoughts with myself and just let that conversation evolve. And I think another thing that is sort of like off-putting about it is also just like the, there's a lot of discouragement from people who feel like, you know, you're not wearing it correctly. You're, you're not doing all the right things. So like people are very like all or nothing with. Yeah. You're not living up to our expectation of what this looks like. Exactly. And like, nobody knows, like, and it's, it's hard because like, 
like nobody knows anyone's exact journey and you don't know someone's like they see a photo, they see a video and they just instantly have like an opinion and like they don't know where I came from, what I've struggled with, where I live, what who my family is, all these things that like affect and like have, you know, shaped who I am. And it, it's it's easy to just kind of, I don't know, be behind a keyboard and be like, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Shaitan is confused. Uh, but it's like, there's like literally a person at the other end of that who, you don't know what my experience is, but also I don't really, I don't allow that. I don't get like bothered by it, but sometimes I'm just like, fuck off. Like I kind of like, I'm like, okay, do you want me to take off my hijab? Like, would that make you guys happy? Cause then if you take it off, then they're like, wow, you're like, wow, I can't believe you took it off. Like, that's so sad. But it's like, you were literally telling me to take it off like a week ago. So you, you can never really win. Um, yeah. so you really just have to do it for yourself and know why you're doing it. And and it's really no one else's business. I also think a lot of that is just provoking to see if they can get a response. Absolutely. Yeah. How does like this shape all other aspects of your life? It's like dating, you know, what you look for in mm. a partner and then how you choose to share that. Right. That's actually a really good question because something that I've realized, especially as like I've gotten older is it definitely affects the people that approach me, like in terms of like dating, like it's really funny because I I don't know. I just would have never expected this when I was younger, but I noticed that guys who are more like-minded to myself, like in terms of Muslim guys, they think because if they see that they just like see me online, right. Or like they don't know me or see me on the street. They assume that I'm like a super perfect very strict and conservative Muslim, which I'm not, I wouldn't say that I am. Um, and like, I've had people be like, Oh, like, I felt like I couldn't even like talk to you. Cause I didn't want to be disrespectful. And it's just like, Oh, like that's so that's, that's one of those preconceived notions. And then with the, the guys that do feel like, like inclined to like approach me are usually these extreme, like, <laughs> You're like not very you. conservative. And like, I'm just, I can't, I'm not trying to do that. Like very close-minded and just hyper-religious guys. And I'm just like, it's so, it, it's, it's honestly very annoying. But um, what I will say though, is like, obviously like I think maybe not obvious, but like in general, in like Muslim culture, you're not going to find out about a Muslim girl's, significant other until they're married like that's when they pop up that's it's a full hard launch there's no soft launch in most muslim girls lives like it's very much like it's zero to this girl's single one day and the next day you're seeing her wedding photos so that's how i did it i mean yeah that was very muslim of you yeah i know right everyone was like wait you're married you're engaged you have a baby i'm like "Mm -hmm." yeah but in a way like i feel like even if i wasn't muslim like i i feel like i would want to do it that way too because i you know like some things should be for yourself and Mm -hmm. I think you know like if you're dating someone and you know your first thought is to start posting them in my opinion I'm like I'm a little skeptical because I'm like you know I feel like you might not be like I don't know I think when something special like personally for me I like to just keep it to myself and like yeah when the time is ready share it but um, you also have to be comfortable with opening that up to commentary, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. And that's like the thing, even just circling back to that, how much of sharing Frankie we're doing is, you know, everything that I post or everything that we share 
we have to acknowledge like am I comfortable with somebody having an opinion on this Mm -hmm. and how's that going to affect me and and doing that check-in with yourself before you even you know and it's totally okay to say this is just not something I I want anybody's opinion on and for that reason yeah and it's also okay to to like feel like you know I'm okay with whatever exactly my way case by case so yeah but yeah so that's kind of how it goes in my world you know this is so mom vibe I need to put my breast pads in because I'm like leaking like like wow she's a real she's a real mom yeah god I should include this in in the video recap for anybody interested there are these breast leakage pads that you um it's so wild what the body can do like if you even just think about like like feeding or, you know, hear a baby cry or your daughter eating or your child eating. Or like even the other day I was getting um one rare moment of being outside the house was I ran in to get these like marches because <laughs> um, <laughs> I ran in to get these marches um, because John was in the car and, you know, we do want to take Frankie out of the car seat. And this woman had her baby. I'm just checking. I'm all secured. Okay. This woman had her baby and her baby started crying. And I just started just leaking everywhere. I was like, oh God, I can't. Oh, my God. No Two way. seconds of just hearing non- a random baby cry. It was like a random baby. I'm like, of course, this is happening to me. And it's just like, wow. you know, milk is just gushing out everywhere. I'm like, wow. So I'm really just going to be held hostage. Um, the body is insane. It's insane that. It really, my lactation coach, Andrea, who's amazing. I'm actually going to put her. Um, shout out, Andrea. Shout out, Andrea. She said, um, breasts are not just beautiful. They're smart too, which I think is so interesting. <laughs> they are because they, they, you know, there's so much science and and mm-hmm. behind it, like the way we produce milk. But um, yeah, <laughs> total derailment. Total derailment. Sorry. I did Instinct, promise. babe. I, t- I did promise. Um, <laughs> the listeners and my and um also made a promise to my producer not not to him he did not ask me but I I said something like I promise I'm not gonna make you edit like episodes about like breast milk and babies um <laughs> every week so I'm trying to keep so that but spring, uh, you're just sprinkling it in yeah it, it's just a little bit here and there um <laughs> as I like put in my breast pads but no and and I think to um speaking like going back to attracting a certain type of person I get that feedback a lot. I used to mm. when people would say, oh, you don't date any Indian guys. I'm like, the Indian guys do not want me, babes. Mm-hmm. They never they mm-hmm. never did because I wasn't that version of – and also, you know, I think part of that was like growing up in Australia and um, They're like not my dad really... wasn't around, so I didn't really have that com- – you know, I wasn't like it, a part of that community really. Right. So I, I just wasn't around it to like even meet those – even meet like, yeah. people like – similar to me and but a huge part of that is I never fit into that version they had mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. that expectation that they had um so yeah and like I feel like that's both ways yeah it's tough being yeah. you know a person of color in a, a country a western country where yeah. like those communities are so small and like even if there is a community you might not even be a part of it and you're still expected to kind of people expect you to just uphold be, all these standards yeah and it it's kind of silly, honestly. So we're but. gonna um so basically what you're telling us is um we're gonna just see a wedding online one day. 
I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. But you have shared engagement. But you have shared your relationship in the past. Yeah, which yeah. is which is a constant, which is the well, number one question that's submitted in every Q and A that you do. Yeah, which and we're talking about made, relationship made, from seven years ago, by the way. But, but yeah. it made me wonder, like, how do people even know about that? So the reason is because we did our Fatiha, which there I wouldn't say there's a, an equivalent equivalent of it in like Western culture, but it's kind of similar to back in the day when people would do courting. So it's like, we say it's an engagement, but it's actually technically not even a part of like the religion or anything. It's just the parents get together, you read the Surat al-Fatiha, and it's basically just acknowledged that like, this is a relationship that is like going towards marriage. Um, So you're engaged, quote unquote, but I wouldn't say it's the same as like what a Western engagement would be considered because it's like, you're just like dating, but like your parents know. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so I did that with this previous um ex and but this was literally like it was like 2015 when okay. this happened and I did share it on Instagram which I you know it was I feel like I shouldn't have done that because obviously it didn't work out and obviously I'm still questioned about it till this day right yeah people but, are so, not letting that go yeah but like it's you know it is what it is it happened and it but I love that you answer fine. those questions and you know, because you you obviously choose the questions you answer in a QA. And I yeah. like that you own it and it's something where you're just yep. It's that just happened. funny at this point because I'm like it was eight I'm like, years how do people ago. still remember? Why do you guys like, still care? Move on. And also yeah. when they're like, what happened to you? Weren't you engaged? I'm like, well, clearly I'm not anymore. Like you would mm-hmm. think that people would just put two and two together. But was, I'm just was like, that nope. a difficult decision to um well, after you'd shared that, right, did you mm-hmm. feel this pressure to then, like, continue on? Um, I mean, I was really young, I will say, at the time. So mm-hmm. I feel like when I shared it, it was kind of like, it was exciting to share that online. And, you know, people loved it. Like, if there's one thing people love, it's a Muslim couple online. Like, people oh, go yeah. crazy for that shit. Like, we're talking well, numbers. There, well, there's also <laughs> a lot of now, I think, cultural currency in being Re- – Online in a relationship, in any relationship, or being a token of any sort, Mm. you know, and and yeah, and I continue. I want to. I do want to touch on that though. Continue. Yeah. So I just shared it, kind of like not even thinking of like, oh, what if we break up one day, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think we like broke up probably like a year after, you know, that whole thing. And like me first posting it, um, I'm trying to, God, it's been so long. I'm like trying to remember, did it affect, like, did it affect me? I mean, no, I, I don't think the social media thing like played a part. I think more so mm-hmm. I was, it was just more so, you know, somebody who was perfect on paper essentially, right. but like, we just weren't like clicking um, emotionally. And like, he was a really amazing person. Like I have honestly nothing bad to say about him. We just like, weren't like for each other in an emotion like in a romantic way I would say so I think that was the toughest part was because you know there is a lot in the culture in the Muslim and even just Arab culture in general you know a lot of girls like girls get married pretty young um and it's a big deal you know like and I felt like at the time it was like everybody you know all my friends and cousins and people around my age were getting engaged and married and I really felt like I needed to do that because it felt like that was the next step. And I think any, a lot of women can like relate to that and depending on where you live. And like, I mean, even in my small, like not small town, but in my Southern hometown, like people got married really young as well. They got married in their early twenties. So 
you sometimes feel like you've got to be doing that too. Mm-hmm. It's and- nice when you get past the expiration date though, because then when you yeah. do it, people are like very pleasantly surprised. And I know when I said I was getting, I'm 35. So, you know, yeah, it, it was so far gone that the time they thought it was going to happen, they were like, wait, you are? And then they yeah. were pleasantly surprised again. It was a full circle moment. So no, let it stretch I, I out and then just yeah. drop in the surprise. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I think I used to be so, I was so scared of like getting to a point where like people are gonna be like, oh my, she's not married and she's X whatever age. And it's like, oh my God. But then when you get to that time, like you realize, wait, I'm, it doesn't, none of that matters. And I think a lot of Muslim people, or okay, at least Muslim people that I know, let's just, I don't want to like generalize, but like a lot of people think that kind of your life starts at marriage and like Mm -hmm. that is like something you're always looking forward to which it's true like when I was younger I really did look forward like I because I felt like that was like the time that your life starts and you start to do but like I was great I was fortunate enough to have a family that like allowed me to like move away before I was married and like kind of pursue my career in a different city and like build a life for myself and which I've done and and it's like life is so fun and amazing when you're like when you learn when you grow up and like you learn yourself, like you don't like, it's nice to have, like, obviously if you're, you get married young, you can still do that. But mm-hmm. getting married is not the only path to that, you know? And I think right. myself now I'm in such a place where like getting married now, like I think would far surpass getting married young because of how, where I am in my life and how I, how I think and how I know myself and like how I love myself. I think that I, I don't, I think I might've been limited in that growth had I gotten married at such a young age when my, honestly, my frontal lobe wasn't fully developed at that time. (laughs) So like there's a blessing in it. And I think Mm -hmm. like, I don't, it doesn't bother me when like my aunts and whoever, my parents ask like, oh, when are you getting married? Mm -hmm. I think the thing that bothers me is when they like, almost like they pity you in a way. They're like, yeah, but it's like, I could have been married a hundred times by now. Like, let's get that clear. This is by choice. I'm not like, it's not like I can't find somebody to marry me. No, I, I'm just somebody who has, I have like a certain, like I have a standard and like, I'm not going to just marry like the first like Muslim guy that like comes and says hi to me, you know? And I think, and that's fine. And I, I just, I want to get married once and I want to get married to somebody who like, I am happy with for the rest of my life. Not just because I'm like on a race in time and I need to like, you know, keep up appearances. So that's me. And, and I'm happy with it. So what do you think is an unhinged thing that people assume about you from being online? Um, an unhinged thing that people assume about me. I'm trying to think of a good one. Cause I feel like we've kind of touched on a few of them. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I mean, what yeah. about what is an unhinged thing people don't know about you? Oh, an unhinged thing they don't know about me. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that I was, um, well, actually, I literally feel like I've answered this. I've answered this on like other podcasts in the past, but for the purposes of this podcast. Okay. Yeah. An unhinged thing that people don't know about me is that I was, my name, Maria, I was not born with that name. I was born just Alia Al-Sadiq. Like that was my, my name. And then two weeks later, my mom was like, I don't think she's an Alia. I think she's a Maria. And she just started calling me Maria. But like legally, there was no Maria <laughs> in my name until like much later when I like got my first passport. Right. Like, my parents were like, okay, we'll we'll put Maria Alia Al Sadik. 
So right. actually, I think you told me this when I was thinking about names and saying I wanted to wait for the vibe. Oh, right. Yeah. I did tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my but mom waited for the, for the vibe. Listeners, yeah. I, mean, I don't even know if that's an unhinged fact, but like it just. It's interesting. It is. It's a thing. Yeah. Like, am I unhinged? I don't know. I feel like you could maybe think of something unhinged. I mean, me. you live in New York and that is unhinged. <laughs> I do. What's I an unhinged New York. New York a story? Everybody has one. You're right. What if, the fuck have I done? Like, what is unhinged in my life? I'm you've like, never am I, had, like, so no, boring? You've never had something crazy happen to you in the city? I guess I have. Crazy but apartment like, story, crazy landlord story, crazy job. Oh, I have, a, I have an unhinged just like life story. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so mm-hmm. let me give you my most unhinged story. I guess, oh, okay. So I I had a stalker once for three years. That's a dedicated stalker. Yeah, and it wasn't, it didn't start online, which a lot of them do. It mm-hmm. started IRL. Oh, it's cool. Um, I, I like feel like it. I can That's talk cool about it now because it's it's been a long time. Like there's been no contact or um, reoccurrence of this person in years. So I feel safe about like speaking about it but Mm -hmm. basically it was somebody who I spoke to it was like a a mutual it was a friend's partner's friend who I met very briefly and and this is the year 2012 like we're talking a very long time ago over a decade ago OG stalking okay yeah so because back in the day you don't even have access to people's information you really had to hardcore stalk them you know right so yeah he found me on on Facebook after like the brief meeting and and like messaged me and like we messaged for like a couple days and then like we started texting and so like the the total amount of time that we spoke was like a week and like I just I could tell he was like trying to like get to know me know me and I just wasn't really interested so I kind of was trying to dead it and he was definitely like a little butthurt got really mad I was like whoa but I was like okay cool whatever bye like just stopped responding and I just thought like life is fine I'll be fine and from then on this man like stalked the shit out of me and it was so absolutely insane it got to the point where like I mean by the way this person lived nowhere near where I live like they lived in a completely different state a, like a plane right away like you no. if you had, if you were gonna drive it would be like 13 hours or so one day shows up in, in mobile <laughs> and like they started like email so they started like, emailing no, me and not like, a place you're like oh I just happened to pass by no you know, there's no the, passing by there's no passing there's by no passing by I'm skipping a lot but basically there was a lot of back and forth like mm-hmm. I ended up blocking their number because they wouldn't stop you know bothering me through text and it would be like one day it would be like this really nice message the next day it would be like a really manic like very evil message and mm-hmm. it was very weird because they really didn't know me very well but yeah. um and then fast forward like to 2014. So two years of like weird shit had been going on. 2014, I get an email, an apology email. And he's like, I'm so sorry for the way I acted. And at the time I was, I was with my ex and he was like, oh, honestly, like, cause I told him all about it. He's like, you should just like be like, thank you. And like, just like squash it. Yeah. Cause like, we're stupid. We think that this person's not mentally ill. I don't know. Oh no, no. We didn't realize. So I responded and then it turned into like an email thing. And then they tried to buy my Coachella tickets and I was really trying to sell my Coachella tickets and so I was like sure you can buy them and then it just continued and then he showed up in my hometown um demanding to see me I actually got my dad involved which that's how you know it got really bad I don't talk to my dad about guys ever I'm like I'm like Baba you need to call this guy you need to like scare him off because my dad can be really scary he's a scary Palestinian man like trying to scare the the guy off so basically he created like a pseudo relationship in his mind between us and I was like 
we're perfect for each other. Like your daughter oh, loves me. Unhinged. She just doesn't yeah. know. It was so unhinged. He ended up like showing up at my dad's work. Oh, like absolutely insane. My dad called the cops on him, which honestly, in retrospect, I feel kind of bad slightly. No, I think but I was scared for my... Wait, your safety was on the yeah, line and in question. And was... then that's when you just have to say, I'm sorry, but... Yeah, at one point he said something, and this point I was no longer responding to anything, but he was sending mm-hmm. emails like, I'm not leaving this city until unless I'm dead. Like, oh, God. very concerning things. Yeah. We ended up reaching out to the family. Some of the family members were like, we haven't seen him in years. And if you, like, you, we he, we do think he needs help. So, like, if you do see him, like, please, like, get help. Like, call the police. Like, they basically were, like, giving us the green light. Like, hey, we don't know what he's capable of. Whoa. So he ended up going to jail Oh, my God. In my yeah. PL? Yes. Screaming. <laughs> we need this it's so fucked we up. We need this mobile mugshot. Me tomorrow. Honestly, oh, we got tomorrow him removed. They were, they were on for a while, but he got him removed because yeah. you can like do yeah, that. Yeah. Get it, yeah. Yeah. If but anyway, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find this. <laughs> You'll find it. I'll Please find, it. find yeah. it. I'll give you, I'll give you the name after this. Yeah. Well, I, but, I'll, I'll find it, but I'll blur out the features. But just yeah. to prove that I can find anything, <laughs> I'm going to find it and She's include a link in the episode description. But yeah, he went to jail. He got out. He still was being crazy. He had his, his oh, parents in Egypt call my dad because his parents didn't know what was going on. Right. Called my dad asking for my hand in marriage. Like after he'd gone to jail and we still have had no contact. Oh my God, no. Hold on. Honestly, I feel bad for him. Like this is, it's honestly sad because I think, yeah, he, was, he's I think he was manic. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't well. Um, but that is unhinged. He, he got arrested a second time in Mobile. <laughs> no. Randomly. He basically moved to Mobile at this point. Yeah, to go to jail. And then, like, I thought it was all done after he went to jail and, like, we weren't speaking. And then I went to L.A. that summer and I actually didn't post because I was, like, worried that he would... But he had been gone for a minute. And The way the story just keeps giving and giving and giving. Oh, it keeps giving. (laughs) So I ended up posting all my my L.A. content, like, like once I came back to Mobile because I didn't want to post it while I was there, obviously, for obvious reasons. And I had I had him blocked obviously on Instagram, yeah, but, but you I mean, know, still, yeah, people can make new accounts. But then when I get back from LA and I'm posting that I was in LA, but like pretending I'm still there, I get an email from him being like, "Hey, I'm in LA. Like, do you want to meet me at this hookah spot? Like, literally, actually, oh like, my God, nothing this guy had happened." Flew to LA, and so you know you can like reverse search an IP address to mm-hmm. see where it came from. Mm-hmm. He was in fucking LA. He actually went to LA. The IP address like came from there. So I was like, oh my God. Oh like my I, I so f- for a moment I stopped posting because I, yeah, I actually felt terrifying. Very scared. And then he actually did end up just going away. So I'm not sure what happened there. He did yeah. pop up again like three years after that, responded to an Instagram story from like a new account. I blocked it. Mm-hmm. But that was like probably about seven years ago now so wow we're all good yeah but it was really unhinged and that now is, I know I mean, just don't give people chances no, uh, well, I mean it was like a simple like text yeah like we were texting it's just some you just people you can't be you know yeah I think the mistake was with. was like was responding to the emails after knowing he was a bit unhinged yeah that was but, you know and I will like say someone was, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt Right. Yeah. And I will say like me and my, my, my ex at the time, it's bad. We were a little bit entertained at first before like he actually came to mobile. We thought it was 
Yeah, you're like, like, oh my god, kind of funny. Wonder like, what's how he, this is like, gonna, what's go he gonna say next? Mm-hmm. But then when he got really, then I was like, oh fuck. So it was definitely a learning experience for me. Never fuck with that again. We'll definitely see the warning signs. Don't let somebody like, yeah. Oh my. Once it gets to email, you know that you need god, to. God, just... I'm just the fact that he got locked up in Mobile twice. Twice. So I, I had a, I had like a restraining order right, the second yeah, of time. Course. Insane, but you know. It's all good. Thankfully, so, oh, was he really he, is did he get locked up because he'd violated the restraining order? Or was so he just, se- side note, so, also being nuts? Actually, I'm trying to remember because, okay, the first time he got arrested, they actually let him out the next day because actually they didn't have a warrant for him. So right. they had actually no right to arrest him that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but then <laughs> I, I like went and like filed a restraining order mm-hmm. and I had like given them all the text, all the emails, all the threats, mm-hmm. all different types of shit. And then they put like the restraining order, and oh, I, I know that he got pulled over for like speeding or something. And I think he might have. I think he got arrested for like possession of marijuana. Okay, like that time, and yeah, it was back in the day. Obviously, Alabama. There's yeah. no, you know. But yeah, it was kind of crazy, and I kind of I forget that that happened. That so is I'm like this. Absolutely unhinged. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna wrap because you know we right. can't go. At, there's no more the drama, yeah. the twist, the turns, the plot. I mean, we can't go up from there. That That's it. Like, that's... Yeah, that's my unhinged that's story. Of, yeah, that's your unhinged story. Okay, love it. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank um, you for having me. Good luck with the rest of Ramadan. Can I say that? Good luck. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God's Thank beauty. you. And then right at the end, what do you do? do, you do um, is that when it's Eid? It's our holiday, Eid al-Fitr. Yeah, okay. so it's like, a, it's a big celebration. Right. Food, family, gifts. It's fun. It's like our, it's like, I, it's our equivalent to like Christmas, a Christmas yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay, great. So, well, we're going to check in best with you of for, the of, for the rest of um, the month to see if you do lose weight or not. <laughs> LOL, just thinking. Um, but, no, <laughs> but no, honestly, thanks for coming on the show and sharing so much of your life with us that you've never shared before. Aww. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was an honor as well. Aww. I'm very much, um, I feel like I just like, a milestone unhinged with Amrit. So Love thank you for having that. me. An iconic and amazing chat. We'll be back next week for more. So if you haven't already, leave us loving review. It is free 99 for you and it helps me a lot. Um, and yeah, that's all from now. I'll see you guys next week. Ciao.